Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. And uh, last week, we know, was Easter. The weeks before that, we've been in 1 Corinthians, and so I'm going to read, um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll jump into this passage. Holy Father, God, I do thank you again for this day, and I just thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us to be here. And I just ask now that uh, everyone that's in this room would be exactly who you wanted to have here today for this purpose, for this reason, for these words, for this truth. I pray now for your intervention into this situation, God, that your words and truth would be accurately conveyed. I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I'm going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, John preached up to verse 11. I had to double check with him. I was pretty sure that's where it was, but we double checked last night. I'm actually going to jump back and reread a couple of the verses that he left off with last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Um, But before I do, there's a couple things to consider um, when we look at this passage. The first one is this. As I read this today, and okay, I'm just going to be totally honest with you here. You're going to have to think with me. Can you guys do that today? Thinking caps, do I need to do that whole thing? No, you guys are too old for that. Put your thinking caps on. You ready for this? Um, Side note, uh, I was having a very difficult time this last week knowing what I was, like I was reading the passage, reading the passage, and it just, no no light bulbs were going on. And if I've talked to you about this before, I've told you, it usually happens early on in the week. This little light bulb, I'm like, oh, okay, got it. That wasn't happening. And so I was kind of panicky last night. In fact, I almost said, I'm just going to preach on something completely different. just has nothing to do with this because I, I just don't know. And I know, Lord, I went back to it right at the end of the night, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm this is it. And the light bulb didn't come on until this morning, actually. I had all these notes prepared, and I was sifting through them. And then this morning, I went, oh. And what's weird is I didn't have to adjust my notes very much. It was like everything was right there. I just wasn't getting what I was writing, even. That's so weird. This never happened before. And so I'm a little nervous as I'm beginning today because I'm thinking, okay, God, where is this going to go? Normally I've reviewed what I had written down a few times with a better understanding, and today that's not, that hasn't happened other than just once skimming through it one last time and going, oh. Kind of weird. Is that weird? I think it's a little weird. Um, I think you'll see why it's weird as we get into what it's about. Two things. First of all, this passage that I'm going to read today is addressing Christians. Okay, you're going to hear, as I'm reading, you're going to hear some, the word we and the word us. So I want you to know when Paul's writing those things, he's talking about we, us. He's not talking about, like you're going to hear it. You might be tempted to think he's talking about we as in the apostles, or in your case, we, the pastors. That's not, it's we, all of us. In this room, if you're a Christian, you can include yourself in the we and the us this morning. Okay. Secondly, now this may seem like an obvious thing, but Christians have the Spirit of God. 
I'm going to talk about that for just a moment. I'm going to share a quote from my favorite Ben Witherington III. He says this, it, he's talking about chapter 2, it has also been wrongly used, so he's talking about chapter 2 has been wrongly used to insist that there are several different kinds of Christians, some carnal and some spiritual. You may have heard that before. Just so you know, I'm not going to have time to delve into all of that today, but I want you to know I don't agree with that. We'll talk about that. Ben Witherington worded it so much better than me, that's why I'm using his quote. It's been wrongly used to insist, this chapter has been wrongly used to insist there are several different kinds of Christians, some carnal. Carnal, we think of when you think about the word carnal. Evil, yeah? Fleshly, right? If you, if you go to the Mexican restaurant and you get something that's got meat, what, what word do they have sometimes? Carne, right? Carne asada, mm, good stuff. Carne, right? Meat, flesh, carnal, okay? Paul accepts the idea, Ben Witherington goes on to say, Paul accepts the idea that there are more and less mature Christians. That's going to be really important because what we're going to talk about today is going to fold into next week, okay? So, Keep that idea on the back burner of your minds. And that there is teaching appropriate to each level of Christian maturity. But this is very different from suggesting that some Christians are spiritual or have the Spirit while some do not. And that's what some have suggested, that if there's a Christian that could be uh, carnal, maybe not having the Spirit of God. That's not true. For Paul, the very... Uh, part of the very definition of what it means to be a Christian is having the Holy Spirit in one's life. And to back that up, I'm gonna, I pulled one passage from way back. The, one of the first sermon series we did was Ephesians. And so I jumped back to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Paul writes this. He says, in, in Him, Christ, you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him were sealed with what? The promised Holy Spirit. Let's do it again because I want you to say it. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the beginning. Let's do that all over. Redo. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Short summary, the moment you believe the Spirit of God was put in you, you have the Spirit. In fact, that's one of the things that guarantees, that's the seal that guarantees your inheritance is the promised Holy Spirit. So what we're going to read about today is not going to be a study of humanity. You might call it anthropology. I told you you had to have your thinking caps on today, didn't I? It's also not going to be necessarily a study of God. What I think this is about, and this is where the light bulb hit me this morning, this is about our senses. Okay? So bear with me for a moment. The teacher in me is going to come out here. If I've done some of this before, and I know that I have, I apologize for those of you that have been here for a while. I've done some of what I'm getting ready to do. I've done this before. But I love doing it. This is something I do every year at school, by the way, as well. I, I, this is something I do with every class. I work it in at some point. Let's consider our senses for, senses for just a moment. Okay? I'm going to start with the eyeball. Ooh. 
That's why I grabbed my laser pointer. Okay? Think about the eye for a second. Think about what's happening right now. You're looking at that picture of an eye. What, what's actually happening? You're, you're going, I'm just looking at a picture of an eye. Think about what's happening. There's light being emitted from that device there. It's reflecting off of that white screen. It's reflecting into your eyeball. It's going through a little lens. It actually flips the image upside down as it hits to the back of the eyeball. And in the back of the eyeball, you have all these little cells, right? So the light's hitting the very back of your eyeball. And these, there's all kinds of different cells. There's, and I don't even, I'm not even going to try to get into how this works because it blows my mind. I don't, I don't get it. The light is hitting those cells in the back of your eye right now. And somehow it's translating those certain light waves hitting those cells in the back of your eye, and it's translated into electrical impulses, and it's traveling down this nerve, this optic nerve fiber, this bound little group of fibers into your brain. Your brain is interpreting all those signals, and what are you doing? You're sitting here, you're just easy recipients of it. I mean, you've never, maybe you've never thought about that before. Okay, by the way, God is amazing. Charles Darwin, you guys ever heard of that guy? Idiot. Um, oh, did I say that? Um, I didn't mean to say that. Um, although he just says something really good. In his book, The Origin of Species, right now, they didn't have, he didn't know about all this stuff. He said this. He says, when I, he's writing, he said, but, but when I can see, he's talking about all this evolution junk, right? But he gets to this and he goes, but when I consider the eye, with all of its abilities to adjust to light and dark, the contrivances it has, and he goes on this huge definite description of the eyeball. Because when I consider the eye, to think that it came about by natural selection is absurd to the highest degree. He was right there. This amazing thing. You're doing it right now. You're not even trying. What's, what's really amazing about it is, is get this. Just these light waves are bouncing off. But when you look at that, you're also getting, as it is interpreted to these electrical impulses in your brain, which I'm going to refer to your brain as a meat computer, by the way, because that's what it, get a lump of flesh up in your skull and you're doing all this thinking right now. That's crazy. You're actually getting some ideas. I mean, that certain little pattern, let me point to, you see that? Because you've learned the English language, you, you look at that and you actually have the idea of light. And there's all kinds of thoughts that entered into your brain. Just think, look at light is traveling. I mean, how is this all happening? Sense of sight. How about this one? Smell. This one's kind of gross if you think about it too long. What's happening when you're smelling stuff? Particles. Minute microscopic particles of whatever it is that you're sensing. Which, by the way, Danville's been kind of stinky lately. Anybody notice that? I'm coming in from the Holy Land, Covington, and I get into Danville, and I'm like, whoa, man, what is, oh, it stinks, like sulfur or something. I don't know. But think about what's happening when you smell something. God designed all this, by the way. There's little tiny particles of whatever it is that you're smelling that have somehow wafted into the air and they're floating around. They enter into your nose and they land on the membrane of your nose and there are cells that God has specifically designed. I'm not going to get into all this. This is the skin, right? Olfactory. And, you know, it's all going in. Oh, no, no, wait. I've got it backwards. Here's the mucus layer. Oh, gross. Uh, mucus layer down here. So it hits this and somehow these cells are able to detect what that is and translate it into what you perceive as an aroma. 
Pretty amazing. How about this one? One of my favorite senses. Taste. There's some taste buds. Ugh. Taste buds. That's kind of gross when you look at them up, the, up close, isn't it? Um, somehow, when you put food in your mouth, this tongue, and by the way, that's not its only job. It's operating right now, not tasting, but manipulating the air that's exiting my lungs so that I'm conveying thoughts to you. I'll get to that one in just a moment. Taste, put the food on the tongue. Your, your body knows how to detect what that is, and it tells you what it, what it is, what it tastes like. This is good, this is bad, it's salty, it's not, it's sweet, it's, right? All those things. God is amazing. How about touch? I didn't know this one until the other day. Um, I didn't know that you have different types of receptors in your skin. I just thought they were touch receptors. You know, there, there's some that 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 tell you if something's uh, hot or cold. There's some that you know sense touch. There's some that um, sense pain. Uh, there's some that sense pressure right in your skin. So you. It always gets me when I start talking about this is how fast it happens. Like, I touch my hand. Go ahead and do it, right? Touch your own hand. Don't touch my hand. That's weird. Touch your hand. Think about how fast that is. As soon as you touch it, somehow it interprets it and sends that signal down these electrical pathways into your brain. I mean, it's almost instantaneous. Doesn't it feel like it's in... I just... Touch. My favorite one to talk about, I always talk about this one with my kids at school. This one just is ridiculous. Think about what's happening right now. I am developing thoughts in my head, my meat computer. Somehow this meat computer sends the, all these signals out to the diaphragm to exhale air, as it's going through the jaw muscles, and it's coordinating all of this. Moving the tongue the right way, lips, everything, to manipulate the air in the room. So that as it travels through, and it's these vibrations of air, enter in through your ears, so the air is just in here, and there's this membrane, right? The tympanic cavity, tympanic membrane, and there's these, the, three, the three tiniest bones in the human body are right there inside the inner ear. And it, all, it's doing, all I'm doing right now is making that thing go, right, right? And somehow, your brain is able to detect those vibrations of air and translate it back to signals in your brain. So I can go, I can say something like this. Um... Barbecue ribs. Okay, think about what just happened. I thought about barbecue ribs because he mentioned it earlier. I've got. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go buy him some for lunch. Barbecue ribs. I, I thought it. How in the world that happened? I sent all the right impulses to manipulate the air so that it sent the right vibrations that your ear could detect and hear right and reinterpret it back to your brain and what's really amazing is that once it entered the brain and you knew the electrical impulses that I sent to you through the air that you interpreted came back 
you thought in your brain, I sent a thought to you. And what did you think? Barbecue ribs. And then we could go on this for a while because then what happens after that, then sometimes, sometimes even the brain starts to send then signals down to your mouth. And some of you, I said barbecue ribs, and you may have had just a tiny bit more saliva in your mouth. Now, this is not the focus of the message today. But it is important. These senses conveying things. And we think about what's happening even right now as I'm speaking. Conveying these thoughts. I'm going to read this passage. Your eyes are going to see the words on the screen. You're going to be doing some meat computer computing. Your ears are going to hear the words. Your brain is going to process this information into ideas and thoughts. But... As we go through this, you're going to hear that there's something else essential with the topics that we're talking about. There's something else that is absolutely essential with these things. Let's start with the first verse. I'm going to go back to verse 6. John talked about these a little bit, so we're going to hear a little bit of overlap before we get into it. Verse 6, Paul was just talking about preaching, and he says this, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. I think about this like, that's what I do when I teach. I'm doing a little bit of that right now. I'm trying to teach you some things. I'm just trying to explain some things. Uh, Among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Now, you're starting to get a hint here that there are things that can be known in this world. I am. I'm thankful for doctors and scientists and all the things that they figure out. So, I might figure out how to make this little device here. Right? So, I might figure out how to make this so it can project words on a screen. You can read it. I think it enhances some things. Thankful for doctors and the discoveries that have been made. There are things that can be known in this world. But is this all that can be known? Notice in this passage, there's some end times type language. Some of you love talking about end times sort of thing. You start to see that. Who are doomed, the rulers of this age, doomed to pass away. Stephen Um, I'm not going to put this quote up here. I'm just going to read it to you. He says this. He says, knowledge is powerful. It has the ability to allow explorational and innovative minds to produce results that are extremely beneficial for human flourishing. I agree with that. There's things that they've figured out that just benefits all of us. When examining the value of the knowledge of this age, one must be careful not to demonize or make evil the whole pursuit of knowledge or conclude that there must be a separation between Christianity and the intellectual mind. John was talking about this at the end of his message a couple weeks ago. Some Christians believe that they need to be anti-intellectual to be spiritual. And you may have even heard that. I've heard pastors in my my lifetime uh, just kind of dog on any type of university or learning or anything else and kind of steer into a, well, I don't know nothing, but I know this Bible. Okay, uh, you know, okay, maybe you talk like that all the time. But I'm telling you right now, that is not at all what the Bible would teach, that we ought to be 
against learning. Very opposite, I think, is true. Listen to what Paul says next, though. Because as much as we can learn and understand, there's more. But we impart, Paul says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And there's a lot of stuff happening right there in this verse. We impart... Through the senses, if you think about it, Paul is still saying, we still do what? How are we imparting it? Well, we're, in one sense, and this is where it starts to get really tricky in my head because we still impart it through words. So I'm up here talking to you, manipulating the air, sending vibrations to your eardrums, right? That's what I'm doing. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. And notice, remember I said earlier, the we is all of us. So this is true of you as well. So you're talking to someone about Jesus. You meet him. You're talking to him. You're sharing. You are imparting, when you tell them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, you're imparting a secret and hidden wisdom of God that existed before anything else existed. Before time. Before the senses could have detected anything, there was things to know. But here you are, and here I am, talking about the secret and hidden wisdom of God. None of the rulers of this age understood this. He's referring to Pontius Pilate and others. Right? They didn't get this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's a difficult thing to work out and be thankful for. I'm thankful in one sense that they didn't get it. It's not like I would want to doom them to, to death or to a lack of understanding. But aren't you glad that they didn't understand to agree so that he would be crucified for us? They missed it. Because it isn't just by the senses that it is to be comprehended. Paul then verifies this by quoting something from the Old Testament. It's kind of two Isaiah passages kind of meshed together. He says, but as it is written, you see the senses in here? But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man. Now, that when you think heart, in the Old Testament, the heart was the center of where people would reflect and think. So we can think about it like what's going on in the brain, okay? The heart of man imagined, but what God has prepared for those who love, and not the senses, but still imparted. These things God has revealed to us through, and here we start to get to it. Oop, didn't click. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. But the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of of God. It's at this moment that I have a genuine sense of, well, let's mix two things, humility and confusion. Because I sit here and I go, where this is headed, this is saying this, that I can get up here and I can say all the right words and say in the right way and do the right thing, and I want to and we ought to. 
And when you're talking to others, you ought to try to say the right words and say them in the right way and do the right, you know, convey this truth. But the humility comes in because you say, ultimately, for you to be sitting there, so say I'm imparting truth to you, and this is true also if you're out and you're witnessing to somebody or sharing this truth to somebody, ultimately, these things are not understood simply by the right words. There's something else. Paul says what? Through the Spirit. That means I am absolutely powerless to get up here and preach to you and you to get it. I can't make that happen. If you walk out of this building and you, you go, I, I've comprehended some truth about God. That wasn't me. I may have been a vessel imparting vibrating the airwaves trying to get into your brain, but that's as far as it can go. There's something else. And if you walk out of here, it was the Spirit of God. This is why each Sunday we pray and we ask this. Don't we, almost every single Sunday we say, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would be here. And, to, to, and you may hear me quite often say, Lord, give me the right words to say, but then I also pray the other end of that spectrum. Lord, let the hearts be ready to hear those things and understand, comprehend. For the Spirit searches everything. The Spirit is the one that knows. Paul then helps us understand this concept a little bit further. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, some people might disagree with this little statement here. ESP, extrasensory perception. What am I thinking right now? Nope. Barb, nope. You can't, you can't, you can't, you, nobody knows what's going on inside of me. I was hoping maybe there might be somebody in here that's like, I can read minds. And they'd know. Now, my wife, she knows me. If I, I can ask a very specific question, she can read my, she has no idea I'm going to say this. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Joe. I think he can do it. Um, Joe, I'm thinking of a number. What number am I thinking right now? He knew it. That was it, 27. If you don't believe me, I'll show you my notes afterwards. 27 right there. It's right there. How did he do that? Did he read my mind? No, he, 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 knew, he knows me. There's a long story with that number. Uh, so th that's how he knew that. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see what Paul's saying? You can't actually know God unless the Spirit of God communes. Listen to this. We're, we're building here. We're building a thought. And we impart... Oh, I'm sorry. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we're starting to get a little bit deeper. He's, he's delving into this a little bit more. There's an interesting word right here, things freely given us by God. If you break down that Greek word, the first part, it's one word, freely given. It's one word. The first half of that word is the word charis or grace. We start to realize that this, this truth, this understanding, understanding God in this world is ultimately a gift Grace. 
We're dependent. And then he says, and we, you, me, we impart this in words. So we're using the senses. We're, we're trying to use these things. We impart this in words. But these words are not words that are taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting, and I love this. This is, this is what's going on on Sundays. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This could literally be translated saying spiritual things to spiritual people. Spiritual not meaning... So if you're sitting here hearing that going, well, I'm not very spiritual. If you have the Spirit of God, you're, you're operating in a spiritual way. If you're to understand anything of God, anything, it's through His Spirit. So when I get up here and I, I tell you things, this is spiritual, don't, th- don't let the, the way you may have heard that word before. Some people think, well, you're really spiritual. Spiritual is not talking about how good of a person you are. It's talking about... Us who are Christians who have God's Spirit. Spiritual, spiritual truths, spiritual people receiving those things. There's, there's an operation of things, and this is why I sit here and I go, man, I think about all the things that are already having to happen for me to convey words. I'm vibrating the air. Like, I didn't even know I knew how to do that, and I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying to get words into your meat computers, right? And I'm trying to do these things. But then I sit back and I go, powerless. You're powerless. You sense that so clearly when you have someone that you love and you're trying to tell them about Jesus and they're just not getting it. And you think to yourself, if I could just say the right word, and that's okay. Try to think of the right words. Try to think of new ways to say it. Do all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you're dependent upon God's grace. Listen to the words of, uh, I believe this next one is Stephen Um. It says, the idea, and this is, he kind of pulls some things together here, and we're starting to get to the, the main gist. Where, what do we do with this thought? The idea of a personal God would have been almost impossible for the Corinthians to understand. In a sense, it is equally difficult for us, and it is much easier to keep God at a safe distance. Let me explain. He goes on, if he is just a set of data, information, or, or perceived lack of data, if, so if we, eliminate, if we think about God, if you think about church, you think about learning about God, you think about reading your Bible, you think about all these things that are these spiritual things, if you think about it just in terms of learning new information, understanding, okay, if I'm having trouble, there's information I don't have, if you try to simplify it down to that, then we can treat him like an impersonal force. God becomes a decision that I need to make. Do I believe in God or not? That's not what he is, by the way. God becomes a decision that I need to make. Do I believe in God or not? Rather than a personal reality with whom I need to reckon. I can learn all kinds of things about my wife. That's not the same thing as knowing her. This is also true with what we're talking about when it comes to knowing God. It's not just about learning all those things about God. We're talking about getting to know who He is personally. And again, my... You can't make that happen. You can't make it happen. 
Listen to what Paul says next. That the natural person, this, okay, I got this this morning. The word that's translated there, natural person, comes from a Greek word, the, the root of it is the psyche. Have you ever heard that word before? Right? Kind of who you are up here. The natural person, so the person is operating entirely in their own mental abilities, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. See, the natural person doesn't just mean, it's not, it's not just saying operate naturally the way you naturally, that, that's kind of, that could be confusing until you understand that the word that Paul actually uses, and this is the only book of the Bible where Paul uses this word, the natural person in this way, the psyche, right? The person that's operating entirely in their full mental capacities as a human being does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Paul's talking about they're spiritually. This, the, the only way that they're comprehended, really, is when the Spirit of God communes with your spirit and lets you get to know who he is. And then it's not just a light bulb going on. It's like a recognition of a person. I know you. What is God doing? He's coming down. He's saying, this is who I am. All these words that I'm saying until that supernatural thing happens in your heart. It's just airwaves. The spiritual person. Now this is an important verse for in the next chapter, so I'm going to go over this quickly. This could be translated sifts all things, not judges. Um, sifts all things. The, the, spirit, the person in the spirit, they're sifting through all things, but is himself judged by no one. All Paul's talking about is, is as in no one who does not have the spirit of God. So you, all Paul's talking about here is you as a spiritual person, as God is giving you those things, and you go out in the world and you got people going, well, that's foolishness. You, you can take a step back and say, I'm sifting through all things with the spiritual lens that they don't even have. That's what Paul's talking about here. And he ends with this, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? He's quoting from Isaiah again. He says that we, we, me, you, all that are in this room that are Christians, we have what? The mind of Christ. I'm left with asking this question then, but what do we do with this? bit of knowledge. Because I walked away from looking at this going, well, I can't do anything. What can, I mean, what can you do? What can any of us do? And you've felt that so clear. I know some of you have felt that so clearly. Like I mentioned a moment ago, when you had somebody that you love, and you're trying to tell them about Jesus and, and the value and the treasure that He is, and you're, you're conveying it, and you're using all the right words. And, and sometimes they even go, yeah, I know what you're saying, but you're sitting there going, I know that you don't, I can tell. And you're conveying it, conveying it. And you walk away, and you do, you feel this power, like you've been given this amazing gift, what did Paul call the secret and hidden mysteries of God? And you're trying to convey it with these natural 
words. You're trying to impart that. This passage tells me the, the, the challenge in the middle of all of this. That it's not ultimately about your ability to how you can speak and how you can say it. It's ultimately depending on the very Spirit of God to open up that person's mind and heart so that they, they go, I understand. We, we use the terms, the difference. This isn't a biblical way to say it, but I, I think it's a good way of understanding it. it it's kind of like the difference between when somebody says you, a head knowledge versus a heart knowledge. That's not very biblical in the way that's said, but I think that it, it serves our purpose. I think we all know what that means. That's kind of what, there's a difference between just getting the facts when it sinks in. How does it sink in? By the very Spirit of God. So what do we do? Well, ultimately, we have to stand in complete dependence on Him. That goes for not just when you're talking to somebody else, but that goes for you as well. If you want to know more about who God is, ultimately, what do you have to do? You have to just say, I'm depending on you, Lord. But get to the deep, the mysterious truths of God. We learn in this passage it must be bestowed by grace. I want you to know this was most clearly done through the person, and I've heard pastors say this phrase, but it meant so much more to me this morning. God has revealed himself. He does it through everything that we see. You, you may have sensed it a little bit. When I was looking at the eyeball, and I was like, man, God is amazing. I heard a couple of you go, man, he is. See, theologians, that's God's natural revelation. You can look at the world around you and go, man, there's God. Uh, King David talked about this. He said, when I look at the stars, Right? I look up and I see God. If you really look, you can see God. But this important, there, there, there's stuff beyond that. There's this special revelation which is revealed through His Word. So we can read this and we're getting more things than you can get from just looking at a tree. Right? But then what is God's ultimate revelation of Himself? It's the person and work of Jesus. This is what Paul is talking about when he says the word of the cross, that God became man, walked this earth, but then the work that he did was the sacrificial work of atonement on the cross. God is revealing himself to us through those things. Like I said last week, God, when he revealed himself to Moses, said, gracious, merciful, forgiving, but who not clear the guilty. How does God reveal himself, his nature, through the person and the work of Jesus? That still left me thinking this morning, like, well, but that still doesn't tell me what to do. I like to know what to do. Well, what do I do? I gotta do can I do something? Because I want to know the deep, mysterious things of God. Do you? Yeah? Are you sure? Might be weighty. Might be tough to hear. Don't you, wouldn't you rather know than not know? I hate it when I don't know something and everybody else does. Don't you hate that? I hate it when everybody else is in on a secret and I don't know what the secret is and I'm like, somebody knows something I don't know and I don't like it, I want to know. I feel that way when it comes to things. God, like, I don't want to, to go through this life and not know. I mean, if there's stuff that we can know, don't you want to know the stuff we can know that God is willing to share with us? And so then I wanted to have something to do. 
We're going to see this so much more clearly next week, but Paul is going to use an illustration. So I'm going to give you a hint as, what, uh, as to where we're going. He hints in this direction, this, this, this picture of a farmer. Think about a farmer for a moment. Are there any farmers that can grow corn? No. What do farmers do? They plant it. If they can, they get really crazy. I mean, there's, I, the ones that always, the ones that like get the big arm that swings around and waters it, and they're, they're putting things on, they're fertilizing, they're doing everything they can. But at the end of the day, that farmer cannot make the corn grow. He can't sit there and go, corn grow. No, it can't happen. Even if his words could do it, he still wouldn't be making it happen because it's not like he's making the little cells inside that corn thing turn and do what they're supposed to do to turn into more corn. You can't do it. The farmer, he, he does all these things, but at the end, he's totally dependent, and if you think about it, on God to grow that corn. That's the illustration that Paul uses when it comes to these things. He actually says, like a farmer, he says, some plant, some water, right? But God gives the That's precisely what we have to do as Christians. So what do we do? It's easy. Read your Bible. You're reading your Bible not thinking, I'm going to be so smart that I'm going to figure this out. No, you read it going, Lord, I can't make the truths, the deep, mysterious, hidden truths of God. I can't make them comprehensible to myself. I need you, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it again. I'm going to keep reading it. Read it daily. Total dependence. God, tell me truth. It's, it's awesome when it happens. Some of you know exactly what time you've been reading. And it's really neat when you've been a Christian for a while, and there's a passage you've read a hundred times, and then that one time you read it, and all of a sudden it's like, boom. And then you, you try to tell somebody about it, and you can never convey it quite right. Why? But this tells you why, doesn't it? Why? Because it was the Spirit of God imparting to you. What else do you do? You read, you read, come to church. Right? You're, you're depending, you're saying, okay, right? Paul talked about that, spiritual people and parting spiritual truths to spiritual people. Right? We're, we're coming here because there's this hope that we have. I have the hope, you have the hope, we're all hoping in this thing. That God will miraculously somehow, and I, I, I love to throw the somehow in there because I've got to be honest, at the end of the day, I don't quite get how he does it. But we're all sitting here hoping that somehow, God is going to allow the, that I'm, I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me, and God is going to operate in such a way that when I, the words that I send out and the air vibrations I make, when it hits you and it goes through your meat computer into your thought process, that the Spirit of God that's living in you is going to be a part of this whole thing. Suddenly, it's not just the brain conveying to a brain. It's the Spirit of God opening up truths, brain conveying to brain, Spirit of God revealing truths. We hope something miraculous happens every Sunday. Which brings me to my next thing. What ought we to do then? Pray. I think praying shows and demonstrates that dependence. I am guilty of not praying nearly as much as I ought to. I was extremely convicted about this just this morning. 
Because as I was reading this, I thought, I am not nearly dependent enough upon the, the supernatural work of God that's going to, I'm hoping that's going to happen on Sunday. I don't convey that to God enough. I don't get on my knees enough. As your pastor, I'm sorry that I don't do that as much as I should. God has been working in my heart this morning to say, Matt, you, you need to be on your knees more. I, in fact, I think, I think that one of the reasons why God let me go all the way through until this morning before the light bulb went on, is, and I, this is what I thought this morning, I, thought, I think God wanted me to say, Matt, you, you will know nothing apart from me. Matt, you're not dependent on me enough. You're thinking, Matt, you can get everything that you need. Now, God, God, I think he uses those commentaries. He uses the truths that he's revealed to others. He does all those things, and it's all valuable. But at the end of the day, I need to be on my knees saying, God, let me have the truth that you wanted to convey to the people that show up. What do you do then? I would ask you to pray for me. Pray for me. Pray that God would destroy Matt, fill me with his spirit, so that when you come to church on Sunday, you can sit back and say, okay, God, this isn't about Matt. It's not about me. It's about the spirit of God dwelling with some people. And just like how Christ came to this earth, coming down so that we could get to know who he is, we pray a similar thing happens every Sunday, that God will be present with us so when we walk out of here, we know a little bit better who he is. We've communed with him. We can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. There are plenty of churches in this world where it never happens. There's some eloquent speakers filling these pulpits. I could care less if I'm eloquent. But I hope, and I hope that you hope, that when you come to this building, that the Spirit of God is just dwelling, communing, revealing himself. I'm going to ask you to help me demonstrate that when we do communion this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the guys to come up here and they're going to, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to pray. God will bless this bread and this cup. They're going to distribute those things. And I want to ask you today, as you're holding that cup, Say, Lord, and maybe this isn't true for you. Maybe you are totally dependent on him and that's been the way for years. I hope that's the case for some of you. But maybe you're sitting here today going, I have not been nearly dependent enough on God's grace to reveal himself to me. We're all depending on that. I want to encourage you today when you're holding that, say, all right, Lord. I want to encourage you as well to say, okay, as I'm doing this, I'm dependent on you. Feel free to verge into praying for others as well. Maybe there's someone that you've been trying to talk to, and it's like in one ear, out the other. Maybe they even know all the right words, they know the right phrases, but you don't know if you can even put your finger on it, but it's, you're sitting there going, the Spirit is just not there. I don't even know if I, I can explain how I know it. It's just not there. And pray, Lord, I want to impart spiritual truth. I can't make it happen. There's a certain freedom that will come with this when you, when you really embrace it. The, the burden will be lifted on you thinking you've got to figure out the right way to say it. In fact, 
it'll also relieve that burden of you even thinking that it needs to be you that says it. God can do what he needs to do and convey that truth. And so I want to encourage you, as you're, as you're repenting for yourself, you may also say, Lord, this per-, and if there's somebody specific, Lord, this person, I want so much for them to know the truth, the hidden, deep truths of God. God, I pray that you would condescend to bring yourself to them and work that miracle.